last night, I was like, I'm going to, I'm just going to take a look at this, kind of get it in my mind so that I can prepare for this monumental problem that's coming mm-hmm. this week. Oh, yeah. This push block problem. It's going to be huge. And I went in there and I looked at the number where it's like how far you should move the push block as you're like, as you're pushing it. And I just multiplied that number by 0.3. Mm-hmm. And then I hit play and then it was fine. Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to episode 140 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the dueler of boots. I'm Sam and I sometimes leave things in the room I was just in. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is March 5th. 2018. Whoa, that's a, that was a surprising and coherent date. <laughs> Very professional. Yeah. Uh, before we get started, we have a warning. Anything could happen in this show. There's going to be profanity, and then we're going to talk about stuff. So if you don't want to hear either of those things, or if you're a child, then get leave. Out. Yeah, we and we are. It's going to be exactly like that. There will be profanity, and then we will talk about stuff. Yeah, every sec, every section of this podcast is prefaced by just a series of sort of incoherent, raging swears. <laughs> yeah. So yep. let's get let's try to <laughs> we try to do it up front so that if you don't like that stuff you can skip it and then just hear the content. F- you know, filter forward as we yeah. call it. You know, you you be the person you want to be, and if other people don't like, it, get out of the way. Yeah, it's the way. kind of like how if, you know if you drink a five hour energy, you steal five hours of energy from later in the day, mm-hmm. and you front load it. Mm-hmm. You know, we do the same thing with our swearing. Yeah. We keep it clean later, but right now, <laughs> shit's just about to, <laughs> it's about to get real. Uh, all right, so what's happening over the past week? We made a bunch of progress on Levelhead. It is continually blasting forward. This is our, mm-hmm. our current game project that we're working on. For those familiar with something like Mario Maker, where you build uh, platformer levels, that's kind of the the vein that this game is in, um, and it's for uh, PC, mobile, iOS, and Android. Uh, we are trying to figure out, over the past week, we were working on the campaign for the game which is the question of how do we introduce content to players in a way that they can understand because we don't want to just drop this big level editor on people that has a million different pieces in it. It's very overwhelming. Yeah, and unlike something like Super Mario Maker where you're coming from a franchise that's decades old. Yeah, you've played Mario games for 30 years. Yes, you you know what a mushroom is and does, right? Um, You're not necessarily going to know what the glove power-up does in this game. And so... We have this sort of dual problem where we need to introduce, we essentially have to make a really good platformer. And teach it. And teach it inside of this game that is ostensibly more so about the sharing and building levels. So uh, what we decided to do is actually we took a note out of Kerbal Space Program's book. And uh, I think both you guys played the crap out of that game. I didn't play it very much because of this exact reason, which was uh, when I played it is before they had their science update, their career update. And... Well, what happened is you, you hop in the game and they're like, cool, you build rockets in this game. And then they give you 400 pieces. Yeah. And yep. they're like, go, go, go build some rockets. Be a rocket scientist. And this is exactly the thing we were trying to avoid with the platformer, which is we don't want to hit you with, you know, 400 different level components. And currently I think we have 50 something. Something like that, yeah. Plus a bunch of different properties and things uh, embedded in each one. And so there's, there's actually a lot of, there's a huge amount of information in there. And of course, once you get into you know, 12 to 15 different pieces. It's kind of like an alphabet. So you can, you essentially get a, a lot of what's called generativity, which is the ability to just make a lot of different stuff with actually a very small number of components. And so the complexity gets huge really fast. Yeah. So we wanted to solve this problem of introducing the mechanics and teaching them and teaching the players also how to even just navigate with the player. Because a big part of it is if you don't understand what feels fun 
in the first place and you can't, you can't possibly build good levels to publish. Right. So the way we've d- decided to solve this is with a campaign, which unlike a traditional platformer where, you know, I guess the campaign kind of is the, the focus of the game, like beating the campaign, capturing, uh, you know, uh, beating your Bowsers and capturing your, recapturing your princess, whatever the situation is. Um, we decided to make it so that the campaign itself unlocks the content for the editor. So like Kerbal Space Program, where you would fly to the moon from a mission, get mm-hmm. some science, uh, do, do science outside your ship, come back, and that would allow you to unlock stuff on a tech tree. We have a tech tree, essentially, and you can unlock you know fast enemies, and then you can unlock big enemies and spike enemies and all this other stuff. Um, and so you kind of choose your path, and then as you're beating the levels and completing them 100%, then you can kind of come in and, and fill out your editor and do new level stuff. Yeah, like that. and we're still kind of exploring what this means because a lot of games actually do have level editors. Like a lot of racing games have track editors and all mm-hmm. these different things. Um, but in Levelhead, that's supposed to be the, the focus right. of the game. And so we have this sort of this uh, design problem that we are still sort of wiggling our way through, mm-hmm. uh, which is the problem of if we make players focus on... Uh, on playing the game first, then does it seem like that's what the game is? Right. And then they get to, they get to do the level editor once we've sort of shown them enough of the game. Um, so that's something that we still have to f- sort of figure out. Uh, and then there's the problem of sort of the pacing of unlocking new content because the content that you're unlocking is for the level editor, not for the, the gameplay part, right? Mm-hmm. So you're playing your way through the campaign and normally if, if, if in a game with unlocks, like you, you do a bunch of combat, you get a better sword from the combat, and then that goes back into the combat, mm-hmm. right? But in this game, you're unlocking stuff for a for a different sort of part of the game. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, so we have a lot of sort of design issues to to figure out. Uh, yeah. But rest assured, we'll figure it out. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> also, I mean, it's already coming along effectively. I think we have we have twenty ish levels or something like that. Um, and you can you can just sit in the campaign, and and my guess is that people are going to batch. They're sort of what they do. So they're going to sit there and just like play through a string of levels until they get to a hard one. And they're going to be like, okay. And then go spend their points, which is exactly what I ended up doing. Yeah. Um, hit a point where I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with this right now. So I go out, go to the tech tree, fill it out, and then go play in the editor a little bit. So um, you know, we're, we're going to figure out a few ways to kind of make it, to integrate the whole thing. I suppose that currently they're very separate, but we're going to try to kind of shove them back together yeah. a little bit. And one of, one of the things that we that we're sort of grappling with, and I think we're, we're starting to land on some solutions, is the problem of, um, levels in platformers tend to be very fast, right? So if you've played Mario, Super Meat Boy, you know, any of these games um, that are level-based platformers, beating a level can can typically be under a minute, mm-hmm. right? Oh, that's not really true for Mario games. Those I was actually, be, yeah, I was thinking about this this morning. Yeah, those are, those are much bigger. Those, uh, that's true. Even, even the, I mean, the first level in Mario probably, even still, is over a minute. Um, and as they go, they tend to be on the order of like, because I think there's a five-minute timer. They cover, they actually cover... From an overall design standpoint, the Mario levels tend to cover a really long distance. Yeah, really long. Like you That's tend to just be running most of the time. That's true. Um, versus the the more of the aesthetic that we're taking on the design side is actually something closer to Meat Boy. Right. Which is and those are fast. Which is okay. Here's your compact level. You're gonna die a lot. You're gonna die a lot. Um, Meat Boy, you almost always can see the whole the whole screen. Yep. Um, if you can't, then the level's actually fucking huge. But in our case, the, it's sort of a weird combo between the two where you, your camera's locked on your character, so you can't actually see the whole level, but the whole level actually is a, a quick a quick hit sort of a thing. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's been an interesting, because I think it's, 
you just need to teach people. I think that's kind of the thing where yeah. like you just need to teach people stuff. It's not about the experience of running through. Well, and and the the, Kingdom, the you know? design challenge that comes from that too is if levels are fast. Um, let's say we have fifty levels in the campaign, mm -hmm. right? And we have fifty things to unlock in the tech tree. Uh, that means you're going to be unlocking something every couple of minutes, which is still a pretty blistering pace, right? Yeah. And so. So we have to kind of figure out ways to spread those things out enough that people will sort of play levels for a while, then go use the editor for a while. Um, you know what we so, could do? I just hmm. had an idea. Yeah. So in the level branching path for the campaign, as players go through, we could have a node that pops up, which requires that you publish a level, for example, in order to move on to the next section of the game. Mm, well, that's going to flood our, that's going to flood our, our uh, level thing? browser with garbage. Well, we can also we can just tag those ones with garbage, garbage and then not not show them up. Because the whole idea is just to push the, push them together. You know? Right, that might actually work. Yeah, so there's uh, the way that that uh, Nintendo dealt with this in Mario Maker is they would they give you just a handful of things at the beginning, and then in order to uh, to unlock more stuff, you have to place those those particular things into your level and then beat the level. So so they'll be like, oh, yeah, you got to like put a bunch of spikes down and then beat the level with spikes. But because you're building the level, you can choose where the spikes go. Yep. So you can just like put them in an unreachable in place, yep. you know, don't worry about them. and then just run past them and beat the level. So we wanted something to be a little bit more legit, a little bit more yeah. meaningful than that, that actually like <laughs> means something to sort of know what that thing yeah. is. I will say it has um, been really fun making because the editor's so robust that it's really fast to make levels and, and play and practice them and stuff. Um yeah, you, you build like 20 something levels over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Just. So, but it's been a lot of fun. Um, I think keeping, keeping in mind as you, as a designer, as you play with a platform in particular, more you start, you'll start getting a feel for the things that actually feel really good as a player to do. And this can even come down to stuff like, uh, and if you played a Super Mario game, you probably noticed this, but uh, the, the placement of coins is extremely important because it can be the sort of thing where if you put a coin sort of errantly off to the side of, uh, of what the path should be, then the player won't be able to cleanly just run and jump through it, which feels amazing, right? Yeah. They'll have to like jump through it and like, oh, fuck, and come back and like bump that one. And so a lot of what I ended up doing is like you lay down the general field level and then you have to kind of tighten it and tighten it, tighten it yep. to make it so that each one of those jumps can happen in a way that feels really good. And each one of the coin packs is in a particular place that feels, not. it's not easy to access, but once you do get the appropriate trajectory or whatever else, then you just kind of like, you know, smash through all those things. So it's and then really you get that satisfying like, bleep, 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 yeah. as you pick up all the yeah. coin. Yeah, it's good. It's really odd. So yeah, we'll uh, we have no specific announcements about alpha or beta or anything like that yet, um, but we will. Yep, we're just getting everything ready for GDC right now. So yeah. we got to show the game off to a few people. So, so. Uh, otherwise, uh, we want to talk a little bit about pit people. Although yeah. we may we, before we get into that, we may want to say because we had we did tell people previously on the podcast that we were yes. going to be in beta before GDC. Yeah, so. We probably should probably not. say that that is not likely. Yeah. And in general, anytime we give you a date, which we have said in the past, if we ever give you a date, ignore it. Probably just ignore it. It's just a goal. <laughs> a goal yeah. Until, unless we actually say it is happening on this day. Right. Because that means it's probably already done because that's the only reason we would say it's happening on this day. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll have we'll some. Keep we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep you informed. Mm -hmm. yep. And if you, if you are interested in becoming a tester for our stuff, uh, then you can head on over to bit.ly slash powerful hyphen bscotch hyphen abs. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where you sign up to be part of our anti bug squad. That's the group of people who are going to be uh, tapping to help us test level head. So yep. and it probably will be done in phases. We just don't know what those phases will look like yet. They're going to look awesome. They're going to look awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right. So speaking of things that look awesome, 
Pit, yeah. pit people. Yeah, pit people finally came out of early access. What is it? on the second? So it's a it's the newest Behemoth game. So Behemoth uh, is famous in particular for Castle Crashers, uh, though. The game that I like from them is, oh shit, what's their platformer called? Battle Block Theater. Battle Block Theater. Mm-hmm. And, which also has a very robust level editor. Which does. Yeah. And and also, I think the reason that I liked that game so much was the same reason that I got really excited about Pit People last night while I was playing it. And it is because Battle Block Theater, the level of personality in this game uh, is is just stupid. Like mm-hmm. Just everything about it is just oozing uh, the fact that the developers of this game just do not give a fuck. Right? <laughs> But on, but but when, on the other side of that though, they give a fuck a lot about the game. Yeah, right. They just don't care what about what they're supposed to do and about what they think you might want from them. Mm-hmm. So, and, and this is really apparent in Pit People. So, uh, so I booted this up last night because I've just been waiting for it to come out of early access. Because as a rule, I don't play early access games because um, then then I don't get to play them for the first time yes. as they were meant to be. You know, uh, sort of harking back to our discussion last mm-hmm. week. So, so it finally came out. I was pumped, bought it, bought a copy for my wife, and then we sat down and played it last night. Uh, I should also say this is the first time I've sat down with a desktop gaming machine. So, you know, like a nice big monitor and stuff with noise-canceling headphones with high-quality sound mm. and played a game. So as opposed to sort of hunching over a small laptop yes. screen on a dining table exactly. in an ergonomically horrifying situation. Yep. So there might— But even further— be- you know, some conflation. There's some, the yeah, there, there's some conflation. <laughs> so I want to admit this. that. Too. Okay, sure. Uh, but, but because it, it, it even used to be in the past that I would, I would basically ignore sound and music and stuff. I just didn't, it wasn't a thing that oh. seemed important to me. A lot of people do this. this but is actually, I, I think it's because I didn't, I've never had good. Yeah. Well, we know that like 60 something percent of players on mobile don't listen, don't play games with sound on. Yeah. Well, I think on mobile, cause like mobile sound quality is garbage it's really and bad. you're usually playing, you know, on a train, like places yeah, yeah. where you can't just listen. But so, it's a bummer because yeah. some, some games, if you, yeah, if you, if you jack in, like the experience is completely different once yeah. you actually. Well, yeah. Just, so that was the thing with, with this is everything about even, even more so than the games. I, I have recently been trying to play games, actually listening, you know, with headphones mm-hmm. and stuff. And so I played fallout and some other ones like that. And it definitely felt way better, but still not like this. Like there's something about it that was just so integrated and co- cohesive where just everything, there was a sound effect for everything, but it kind of just was, it was just sort of subtle, you know? So like it just everything that happened had something going on. Right. But my, I think the, my favorite part about it is how the animation and the story design is done because you can tell that everything that they're doing, they, they give you reasons that everything is the way it is, you know? So unlike a normal art, cause there's just sort of RPG elements to it. So unlike a normal RPG where you just have levels and you just have armor, you just have these things, right. you know, uh, or when you go out on the field, you can see your character's HP. There's just all these things that just happen in games. And we talk about this a little bit internally uh, that are just there because people know that that stuff is there. Right. But they don't actually make sense. They don't. It doesn't make sense to live in the game world, you know, but there's a moment when you start playing where one of your characters asks, how come I can see my, my health? Right? <laughs> and, and this is explained away because earlier you joined souls with your teammate, which also isn't explained. There's just there's this moment of dialogue. Mm. You meet this character for the first time. He asks you, would you like to join souls? And you can say yes or no. If you say no, he just flips his beard and hair upside down right. <laughs> relative to each other. So now his hair is his beard and vice versa and asks you again. And so how you can't now. Yeah. He just says, how about now? And there's no way to say no, actually. He just keeps it's like, yeah, it's like every time you say no, his beard and hair keep flipping. Exactly. So they, so they, they wanted to give you the sense that you got to make a choice here instead of just explaining a thing. And did they use that? Did they have like a screenshot that said meaningful dialogue choices? <laughs> they did not have that. But, um, but they, but now they wait, let me ask you this. When his beard and hair flip, 
and you then if and you then join souls, is his hairstyle locked into that for the rest of the That day? I didn't actually notice. <laughs> I was wondering that too. They're pretty similar. He's got like a swoopy hairdo and a swoopy beard. But they are different. They are different. They are different. They are different. Subtle. But so basically, so then you 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 then finally have to say yes, like let's merge souls, right? And they and they have there's this crazy cutscene, but it's it's behemoth style, right? right. So it's all like uh, vectory, minimal animation, mm-hmm. but everything's very bouncy and stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of squish. A lot of squish. So, so nothing really happens, you know, but just, it feels very epic. There's this epic soul binding scene. People are screaming. <laughs> all this stuff is happening. And then you get to the end of it and you're just like, I don't really understand why that happened. But then, <laughs> but now 10 minutes later, when, you know, your character inside of a battle now asks, why can mm-hmm. I see my health? He says, hey, remember when we joined souls earlier? You know, that's why. And that's, then that's why. That's it. And so, so they have the these photocopier situation. Exactly. You yeah. don't need a good reason. You just need, you just a, need reason. a reason. Yeah. <laughs> and they do this. They do this throughout, where where there's there's a reason that everything is the way it is, and not mm-hmm. a good reason, just a reason. <laughs> and uh, and the animation is just again like they just they clearly don't give a fuck. So it, it's the same kind of minimal style that we like to have, where we yeah. want to get as much mileage out of minimal assets as we can. And so kind of in the main screen, where you're going from battle to battle, where you're driving this little. Uh, like ox cart thing that has cannons oh, on yeah, it for yeah. whatever reason, you know? So you're driving this thing around. There's like kind of a fog of war around you, but the fog of war is just, I'm pretty sure one art asset. Yeah. That's just this like shit. crazily drawn little like piece of cloud and they just duplicate it everywhere. And it just kind of moves around as you're, as you're moving around. Mm-hmm. And so because everything is moving, it all just feels, really feels like fog. It just feels like fog. Mm-hmm. And when you get into like in the, the city, I was like, and I, no- I noticed it much more when I got up from my computer to take a break. And then I was kind of looking at my screen from across the room it's fucking chaos because it got this crazy, <laughs> hilarious music just kind of going on in the background. It's very, it's got a very fast beat. Isn't everything and dancing? Everything and everything is dancing yeah. really fast in like in these very extravagant. So like every building, like the the roof will be flying off on every beat you know, <laughs> and coming back on. Like the whole building is like alive and moving. And so, so I remember seeing a, a gif of the uh, the arena. Yeah, and yeah. it's like a coliseum, kind of. It's kind of shaped like a wedding cake, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a building it's a that has tiers, multiple right? tiers. Yeah. Yep, and each tier is a separate sort of ring that's then sort of bouncing on yeah. top of the rings underneath yeah. it and the whole building is coming right. apart. And it's just pure chaos, right? right. So, and so you even have, like, so when they, they give you, you unlock multiplayer after you beat a few tutorial things, mm-hmm. you know? And when you do that, they just call it, like, the space phone. And so then it's a building that's just a big, like, phone booth that then has a cord going up into space. And that's into space. And that's how they explain what multiplayer <laughs> is. So, so just everything, everything is explained in this crazy universe that they've made. And so I was just, I was just playing this game and... I was just so filled with glee as I was playing this thing. And I, and I honestly awesome. don't even, didn't even like the gameplay that much. It was, it was fun and I, and I got a kick out of it. I think I'm going to keep on playing it. Cause I think there's, there's enough to it that I can see how it could get pretty fun. Um, but just how well they, they tied together everything about it and made it not, it was simultaneously absolutely unambiguous that I was playing a game and somehow just not at all. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that, uh, and it, and it did it did such a good job of sucking me into it, despite the fact that it's like it's what everybody would call you know it's it's two D cartoony as all hell mm-hmm. you know uh, the anime there's nothing fluid about it all all the animations are a few frames mm-hmm. um, and yet you know they just they just did everything so cohesively and packed yeah. full of personality and soul that like you just really but here's the it thing just feels really good. when you make a, if you make a game that sort of pushes realism yep then you just can't have any of that stuff no yeah. you can't. Because you've got to emulate what the real world does, which, yep. for example, buildings' roofs don't fly off they do as, as they mm-hmm. dance to the music. <laughs> they do not do that in real life. Yep, they just sit there boringly yep. as buildings. Yep. Well, and they, and they 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 brought in uh, Stamper as the guy who did their narration for uh, 
Battle block, Battle block also. So they brought him in this time. And so he's, he's again, he like in, in the various songs, he's just doing weird stuff. And otherwise as he's narrating, I think as this, as the space bear who is, who is like the God that crashed into earth that caused mm. all the chaos to yeah, happen. Cause there's space bear blood, there's space bear blood raining right? on the earth yep. now. And that's why, yep. that's why the game is happening. Yep. <laughs> and his narration is again, just, just fucking hilarious. I just, uh, I just remember seeing, uh, Early, I think it was maybe two years ago when they first started working on the game. Yeah, they had a video. Up. Yep. Yeah, and they had a just the opening scene of the blueberry farmer yep. learning how to fight because his blueberry fields got destroyed by space bear blood. Yep. So he has to now go out and learn how to fight or something. And then they they had a scene where they introduced the mechanic of people wearing helmets mm-hmm. being sort of immune to stuns or something like that. And the way they introduced it was your you're in the middle of a battle, and all of a sudden, a space shuttle fucking crashes through the roof of the building you're in, and it, on the side in, in spray paint is just written, helmets forever, and then a bunch of dudes wearing helmets come out of the spaceship, yep, now you gotta fight them. and they're just super pumped about helmets. Yep. And this, this is the opening sequence. This now. is the, it's yeah. be, like right at the beginning. Or the, of the second, beginning. yeah, the second opening yeah. sequence. And, uh. So that's how they teach you how helmets work. Yeah, and again, like it's, it's the same deal. Just everything has a, has an in world explanation, you know. And well, I think you, uh, and you mentioned so something good. before we started the cast, which was uh, that even in the UIs, like some of the UIs are not. I guess most of the UIs actually are, are confusing in some way, somehow yeah. confounding. Yeah, but they're what they did is they they chose not to go for usability, but to go instead for just pure unadulterated joy. So like, that's how, of the game that's how yeah. things are in this world. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, that's what, yeah. With that whole, like their multiplayer lobby again is a, fo- is a building that is a phone booth mm-hmm. that is part of, and it's dancing. It's part of this crazy dancing world, right? Uh, that it doesn't tell you, it doesn't say, actually, I think they, I think they, they put like a, they drew a post-it note on it that says like multiplayer here or whatever. Right? <laughs> right. And they, and they have these like little post-its slapped up to sort of help explain what some of the right. things are. <laughs> put post-it uh, notes on it. Yeah. It's just, Fucking great. it's just wild. Um, <laughs> So yes, I, I still, like, I was using the UI to try to upgrade my my characters, you know, and, and try to figure out, because you have, you can give them helmets and stuff, but nothing's explained. And it's, it's very, I still don't quite understand even what What's is happening, on, right? but I started to kind of piece it together. And which also, there's that thing that we, that's easy to forget too, that there, there is that joy and, and figuring stuff, and out. Figuring stuff yeah. out that really clean, fully explained tutorial UIs actually take away. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, sometimes you need to know exactly how things work immediately. And in that case, you don't have a choice but to try to make it very clean and clear. Um, but there's just, there is something to be said for being able to just provide, provide enough information that once a person gets it, they now get it. Right. Uh, and give the, give the person a chance to kind of figure it out by just trying stuff and getting it. Cause like, I'm pretty sure like, it seems like there are, you know, three kinds of helmets in this game. And they're all actually the same. So, like, their base stats are the same. Because I kept on, like, swapping out new ones, but, it, like, nothing seemed to change. Mm-hmm. And I think they're just decorative differences, right? Hmm. But that was the thing I had they to learn. different kinds of damage? Yeah. Okay, yeah. There you go. Yeah, so there's, like, heavy helmets, light helmets, and so on, right? right? So, they're, so they're actually just the same. But then it turns out I found some later that add some special stats. Mm. So then it turns out it's kind of like how we do stuff with Crashlands a right. little bit, right? Uh, and so I'm pretty sure that's how it works now. But I'm still, well, I think this I'm, is, I'm open to seeing no, some new discoveries. Yeah, I think, it, and we've talked about this a lot in-house, especially with the, with the update coming to Crashlands and some future plans for it, where, and even with Levelhead, where starting to view, actually, the figuring out of how the game works as a secondary game. That's part of the game. To the game. Right. Um, whereas with Crashlands, we try to be extremely explicit all the time, which we- People don't want to read a textbook to figure out how yeah, to play your game. They would rather no. struggle. They just want to poke things. Well, the thing is, what they, 
they think that they wouldn't rather struggle. And like this, this is the problem. This is, a lot of what we were trying to avoid with Crashlands was we didn't want people to be emailing us and hitting our support constantly asking us how to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we, we aired, I think what we all believe now is too far on the side of Info. explaining everything yeah. and didn't give people a chance to discover things. Yeah. Uh, but, for, but it, but it is an interesting problem on our side is that the, the less we tell people, the more likely it is that, that there's going to be a subset of people who hate the game because they, mm-hmm. because they hate having to figure stuff out for themselves. And that there'll be a subset of people who are like, are okay with it, but are going to now just pester us and pester each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but maybe that's fine. Maybe but maybe, maybe that's, that's fine. fine. Well, it's, it's an interesting question because how does like, how does Terraria Minecraft get away with this? Right. Exactly. Cause they don't, they don't tell you jack shit. Yeah. Uh, Friday's like, here's a fucking copper pickaxe. Go, I don't even know what you're doing. Here, yeah, exactly. You're just I don't know here why now. you're here. You just made a character, and now you're on the plant. <laughs> yep. There's yeah. no, explanation. no explanation. No explanation. There's no no anything. You talk to a guy. He's like, you can use that pickaxe on stuff. You're like, thanks, <laughs> thanks. That was <laughs> the only thing I have. <laughs> I yeah. Then otherwise, you just that. have to go through your controls. You know, you you actually look in your menu. You look at the controls yes. and figure out what can I do. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, I think there is something to be said for that, and so maybe we just need to be a little bit more adventurous and risky in terms of how our players. I think it kind of again comes back to the theme of 2018. Yep, which is who gives a shit? Fuck, right? Yeah. It's 2018. People figure it out. People figure it out, and I think it's fun. It, it is fun to figure stuff out. Yeah. So, but we will have to take a hard line stance in our support areas and in our communities. Amen. Of, Where we uh, say, figure it out, figure it out, just figure it out. Uh, otherwise, in the news, we want to talk a little bit about life. Yeah. About we got problem solving. Yeah. I had a I had a very my weekend was full of all kinds of interesting problems. Uh, mostly revolving the internet. But and those are the least good problems to Yeah. Have. It was the internet and also dual booting. Well not not using the internet to solve problems. Getting it but when the internet work, is a problem. Right. Solving the internet problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also solving a dual booting problem. I'm not gonna go into those because nobody gives a fuck. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's twenty eighteen. Because it's twenty and uh, but there there was one thing that was an easy problem, which is I had a bulb go out in a in a in our mm. bedroom. Um, whatever you call that thing, a fan, a fan. You know what I'm talking that about? Thing with blades, the, that thing with blades. Blade. The, uh, <laughs> the, the thing with rapidly spinning blades that we all dangle over our heads as we sleep. That thing yep, really that makes me exactly. comfortable. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So so <laughs> so the the bulb was was flickering, and I was pissed because it's an LED that I bought like a year ago. Um, it actually turns out this was last for decades. There's actually three LEDs in my house that I bought a year ago, all of which have been flickering recently. So mm. anyway, it's not the time for that. The point was <laughs> this thing actually finally went out. Uh, and so I went and got a new one, put it in, forgot to turn the fan on because I had to turn it off to do this, you know, whatever. So then that night it slept and it got too hot. And I was like, Oh yeah, fuck the fan. Right. Mm. So turn it on. And now it just makes this noise. It's just kind of this, like, it's not even grinding. That's the wrong word. It's just, it's as if as if there's like a brush in there, that's just kind of brushing something as it goes, you know. So, so now just sudden, all I did was to change the light, and now it's just it's making this noise. Hmm. So then slept with that going on for two nights, and okay. then and then yesterday, and each day I would wake up and be like, God, what am I gonna? I have to like hire somebody, I guess, because I don't know yep. how the fuck to fix a fan. Maybe I could just spray some WD. You know, so I, was th- I was thinking through, what am I <laughs> going to do about up. this? I was thinking about all these kinds of ways to solve this problem. Did it turn out you put the light it all seemed really complicated. in the engine? No, it wasn't even that. So then yesterday, yesterday uh, afternoon, um, I had been dealing with all this internet bullshit. I was doing all this stuff and I came and I was in the bedroom because that's where our router is. I was dealing with all this. And I was hearing this fan go. I was like, what the fuck is going on with this thing? I just, <laughs> I just stood up on the bed and I just, I literally just poked it. <laughs> I just I just poked like the the casing of the uh-huh. fan. I just poked it a little bit, like very minimal force. Just poked it, and it just it was quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And then the so problem you, is now solved. So you sat there for two days being like, just sat there for oh two God, days, just moping, trying to figure out what I was going to do about this and trying to think of all these complicated things, how much it was going to cost to, you know, hire a handyman to come over or whatever. And then finally I just poked it just to see, mm. and it was just fixed now. So you basically, you worried far too much before doing anything. Yeah. All right, so, so sometimes okay. you got to take a simple have dumb act. Sometimes the answer is dumb. Actually, often the answer often is, is dumb. So I have a similar story. So in level head, we have push blocks. These are blocks that you can push. Okay? That makes sense. So are you guys still tracking with you this? So far. You're still with me? All right. Very complex. I'm uh, so push blocks are an interesting problem in a platformer because in a platformer, you need to be able to run into walls and have them stop you, mm-hmm. right? And a wall is literally anything solid that you can run into, right? Which by the way, is a push block, right? So right. you've got this thing that's supposed to stop you when you hit it, uh, but you're supposed to push it. Mm-hmm. So you can't push it if you're stopped, yep. right? You see the see the yeah. conundrum? Mm-hmm. So my original solution to this was to always be, you know, checking in front of the player if there's a push block there and then just move the push block in advance so that the wall sort of just gets oh, out of the no, way so, so that you don't actually run into you it. never run into it ah, you just it lev- you just you. sort of levitate it in front <laughs> you of you use the force of, okay. um, so you never actually make contact with the push block mm-hmm. and so, so that was my original solution and it was it was uh getting the job done in the sense that you could push the blocks but there's something off about it mm. uh, which was that they felt they felt like they were just made of paper because they just because you're just you're just running at full speed and then you touch this block and then now it's just moving at your full speed as right. well. And so it's as if there's no resistance, right? And so we'd been talking about this for weeks and I was like, oh, this fucking push block thing. Like I need to, <laughs> I I need to really spend some time. Had you tried poking it before? <laughs> before we're well, it? here's the thing. You- <laughs> I, ha- I had done a whole bunch of stuff and okay. like I spent several hours trying to get it to go. And I was like, I don't know. I just, I need these to slow mm-hmm. down, right? And so then uh, last night, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna take a look at this, kind of get it in my mind, so that I can prepare for this monumental problem that's coming mm. this week. Oh, yeah. This push block problem It's gonna be huge. And I went in there and I looked at the number where it's like how far you should move the push block as you're like as you're pushing it, and I just multiplied that number by 0.3, mm-hmm. and then I hit play, and then it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, because I'm like, if I just move myself by 30% less when I push a block yeah. and move the block by 30% less. Then you have then a, now there's resistance. Slower now. My speed is not reduced. I'm just moving myself less relative to my <laughs> speed. <laughs> right? That's That sounds very wonky. But. Right? Because like I have a speed variable that normally lets me move. But if I'm pushing a block, then I just keep my speed variable the same, but all my future movement is just reduced a bit by the block's resistance. Yeah. So, uh, so you just, you so I, I literally, I just, I just put times 0.3. There we go. Now <laughs> Two minute solution. I poked it and it works. So that's wonderful. Uh, so this, this kind of comes down to this. Adam came up with the term to explain this over the weekend. I don't know if this is already a term, but I don't, I don't either, but I would hit us. Yeah, Sam, Sam asked for a term for something, something else, but a related problem that we've been falling into. And, uh, and for some reason I was thinking about, this one, this, this where you basically latch on to a solution that you have in mind or, or sort of a, a range of solutions for this problem mm-hmm. you're trying to solve that prevents you from being able to even entertain the idea of other solutions. So I'm calling this solution blindness, mm-hmm. sort of as a reference to, slow, to snow blindness. Yeah. Where in snow blindness, you're like in a blizzard, or actually not even in a blizzard, but just in a place that's pure white, 
so that after a while, you actually just can't. You can't tell where you the hell can't tell is. where anything is or what anything is or what sizes thing. You like just everything becomes incomprehensible because there's too much sameness and too much uh, uh, inability just to well, understand this, features. Anymore. This is also related to attention blindness, attentional yeah. blindness, which is something that we are always battling as game designers. Which is that once somebody starts watching a specific thing they are completely unable to comprehend any other thing on the screen. Yep. Even if those, even if that thing is beeping and shrieking and flashing, doesn't matter. if they're looking at something else and trying to figure out a different thing, they won't even notice mm-hmm. all the beeping. So whenever anybody gets mad about those mobile tutorials where they're like, where they lock the they whole like lock screen, the screen, they darken everything and they have blinking huge hand pointing yep. at something. They're like, I hate this. I'm like, well, I mean, if you weren't so blind, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be a I was actually going to find out pit people handled this because in pit people, like I was saying, everything is chaos right. 24-7. But when they want you to do a thing, they there's nothing ambiguous about it. The world is still chaos, but they'll they'll make an arrow that is the size of the whole screen. Right? <laughs> and they just put it on the thing and it's and it and it's like it's the one thing not moving, right? And so they they do it that Interesting. that same you still idea. Have contrast though, right? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. They still provide the contrast, but <laughs> But instead of, because I, I remember we talked about this in the past with uh, Quadrupus Rampage, mm-hmm. where there was, uh, people couldn't figure out how to use the controls, even though the controls, the, the instructions were on the screen, right? And they would go for, because we, we watched some people playing on YouTube because they mm-hmm. recorded themselves. And they would play for like 10 minutes straight with an instruction on the screen about how to it's do a right, thing. It's right, right in the above, middle. Yeah, it's right above the Quadrupus's head. Yeah. It's like right there. And and they just couldn't see it. Yeah, <laughs> pe- people would go for twenty levels. They would die ten times, yep. restart, and that thing that thing would just be sitting and there. It's like use the bubble button to yep. go invincible for a brief period of time. And they're like not using the bubble. They're just still running yeah. around. You're like, come on. Yeah. And it's, I mean, this is this thing is literally single digit pixels yep. above the characters. Well, here's the thing: I bet that pit people arrow. I bet it started as just a nice. All have, we need yeah. to do is just put a little arrow and people will see it. And then they kept like, what the they fuck? They kept making the arrow <laughs> bigger until now the arrow just obscures the whole screen. Well, but something we t- we talked about in uh, Quadrupus was the idea that that we tell people in the game, hold the dodge button yeah. to dodge. But people don't read that. It, it, all it says is hold the dodge, hold the black button to dodge. So it's what is it, seven words or something mm-hmm. like that. People only read dodge button yep. or black button. Right. Yep. And they're like, I just need to hit this button to get this fucking text to go away. Yep. And so then people view it as a thing that you tap, not as something that you hold. And then their gameplay is forever worse yeah. yep. because they don't know how to use this mechanic. But had we instead had had one custom made level where yep. you start on one side, and there's a really big gap and you can't just tap. To you cross. can't just tap yep. across. People would have figured it out yeah. without us even having to tell them to do it. Right. So it, it's, it is an interesting problem with trying to get people to understand what you're doing uh, is that. I think none of us appreciated it enough at all until we put games in front of people that we had made mm-hmm. that people will not fucking read anything. Yeah. And if they do, they will not internalize any of it. Well, yeah. pe- people are just, they're far more likely to try something yeah. than to read something. Yeah, which, right? which isn't even a bad thing. Um, it's but just it, how people are. It's just how people yeah. are. But, it, but it's, it's interesting because on the game designer side, it seems like you ought to be able to make a really cool, complicated system and then just ex- explain it, you know? And then now somebody can do it and, yeah. and you're fine. But you actually need to work a lot harder than that as, as the designer. You need to come up with a way to teach people without, and it actually, this actually goes back to what we're talking about with delivering the content for level head levels. We can't just give people everything because yeah. if we do, that's, that's too much of one it. go. You're you have no eat. mental models for how to use it. Yep. You've never used it in the sense of your, like as a player. Yep. Which is really important, right? It's too many options and the lack of constraints actually, because now you don't know what to do, uh, makes you do nothing. Yeah. 
And so, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's just a kind of a surprising thing that it wasn't something I would have thought about mm. as a player of games that how, how hard it is to actually explain how they know. So I was playing, I started playing, uh, what was that their game? The new FTL. Into the Breach. Into the Breach last night, which is actually a pretty complicated strategy game. And so they rely pretty heavily on teaching you stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't do it with words. They yeah. mostly, they show you a little thumbnail of like a little gif kind of a thing of what happens when things happen. Uh, uh, and that's yeah. how they teach you how to do it. Um, so again, they're, but you know, everybody around us seems to be realizing that you can't use words to teach stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we got to figure out how to do the same thing. But it is way harder. Yeah. It's wacky. Yeah. It is pretty wacky. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You guys have any other thoughts about this solution blindness? Well, I, I think mean, it's just a good thing to be, it's a good thing to, to be able to put a name to so There's that a power you can say things. when it's happening. Well, I think right? it's, it's kind of like that scene in The Predator where they shoot it and it bleeds. And then it rips their spine out. Well, and that, that's them. a different scene. That's a different <laughs> one I'm talking about. Oh. But when, because like the whole idea of naming something is the same thing as if it bleeds, we can kill it. Yeah. If it's got a name. Now you understand the problem. Understand it. Yeah, you can deal yeah, with it. Yeah, well, we should say this, this happens in the studio pretty frequently because it's usually because one of us recognizes a problem that's in, that another person has to solve. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, uh, we immediately have an, we, we immediately think we know why that's a problem, which also then presents a solution in our, in our minds, right? For, for how that thing should be fixed. And, and for some reason, this is true for, it's true for all of us. It's true for every interaction I've had uh, solving problems outside of this environment. For some reason, the, the solution is the thing you latch onto. Yeah. Not the problem. I don't know why that is, but that's actually just seems to be just the default. Well, because you want to get the problem away you want to get it out. Right. Yeah. There, so, right? so then, so, right. So then you so go the solution, to the, the first solution you think of is you're like, yes, this is the thing mm-hmm. that will get me away from this discomfort right. of having a problem. Right. Just do it. Yeah. So then you, so then you go to the problem who can, or the, the person who can solve this problem and you say, here's, here's the issue. Here's what we should do. And now all of a sudden the, the entire discussion is around that. It's around the doing of the yeah, thing instead of the problem, instead of the actual problem. And so, cause then we get, we get trapped in this easily once a week where one of us does it, you know? And uh, so we needed a name to be able to point out, this is what's happening right now. We should mm-hmm. take a step back and look at the problem instead. Yeah. Well, so I had another thing from, from last week, uh, as far as general life goes, which was, I went to, I went back to cheerleading for the first time in like seven years. So of course. Cheerleader back in college. Um, and, and now was, it's time to get back in. Now, it. you know, <laughs> it's time. You know, I'm 28. It's yep. time to go. So it's time to do it again. Uh, so no, so my, my coach, my old coach had reached out to me because they don't have any guys on the team this year. And what that means is a Just bunch any, no. any, so a bunch of the girls who came from schools where they had stunting experience with a partner haven't gotten to sort of keep that practice up. And so she's like, would you mind just coming in, having some fun, you know, throw some people. So I was like, yeah, sure. So uh, I spent about six weeks going to the gym, very intensely working on shoulders. And then uh, finally went back uh, last Monday. An interesting thing happened. Because as a male cheerleader, your responsibility largely revolves around throwing people into the air. Throwing them and then catching them when they come and down. And then, yeah, you also yeah, got to do that second yeah. part. Yeah. That's Which some people one. do forget to do. It's always shocking. So, <laughs> Throw them, walk away. And it is weird because <laughs> it is very much like riding a bike. So within, I think it's- it, I mean, Well, it has some differences. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> metaphorically in terms of your ability to just like go do it again. Oh, right. Um, yeah. You got a little rust, of course, but it's not bad. So I was able to do some of the- some of the stunts that I'd done, uh, you know, after three years of, of practice back in the day, and which was really, really cool and really fun. But there's this one thing that happened, which was, I mean, we talked about this a little bit, um, this problem that I tend to get into and a lot of people do, which is uh, focusing on what the outcome is going to be instead of just what you're doing, right? And it becomes, in something like when you're doing art or game programming or whatever else, it's very easy, and it's kind of like the solution thing again, but it, it becomes very easy to 
not quite see where this is happening because, of course, you're working mentally most of the time. But when you're working on like a physical problem, which is, okay, I need to throw this person in the air and then get them into this particular position, um, it becomes very obvious when you stop doing the appropriate thing. So Right, because people die. Because people die. So essentially what happened was my <laughs> I was trying to go into what's called a, a lib, which is essentially you go from having someone standing on your hands while you're standing up, it's like a two-stacked person, uh, and then you put them up, so you raise your hands all the way above your head, and then uh, in that case, the girl is standing on both of your hands with one foot, okay? Mm-hmm. And then she's doing like a cool move up there. I assume at that point she also puts on a trench coat, and then you go into a movie we, yes. to buy one ticket. Absolutely, right. yeah. a very tall. Person. Yeah, <laughs> those like movies, those movies where you need to be twelve feet tall. Yeah. To <laughs> I hate that shit. But yeah, so uh, the problem I was having was that it, when you go from the hands position, where the girl's essentially standing next to your shoulders, to that actual trick move, um, I would instead of even just getting the person into that hands position, when I was thinking about the trick. I would just like throw them wrong. And so I couldn't even, I would just throw them and then miss their feet. So I couldn't even catch to get into that first what position. happens then? You just catch them. You just you, catch like them. Usually <laughs> your, your hands miss and then you, both of you are like, fuck. And then, so and you then, just kind of do like a panic yeah, you grab. Just, you try to catch them by the waist so that you can like, you just get in the way. So you Doesn't just kind of like help it. them ease back down to the ground. They always hit the ground, but very gently usually. Um, okay. So you're like a human feet. parachute sort of. More like a, more like a human pad <laughs> you know you're there to absorb the blow okay. but yeah so the interesting thing to me was about is, is the coach just kept the guy who's watching me uh said he just looked at me he's like you're just you're thinking about the trick like you can't think about the trick you have to just do the do each part of this thing individually and only care about that otherwise you're mm-hmm. going to keep on messing it up and so by the end of the night then i was able to just throw him without any problems but it took like about 45 minutes of kind of getting back into that like instead of worrying about everything that was coming later, instead of worrying about that goal mm-hmm. of just worrying about what exactly. Well, that's also where expertise comes in too. Cause, mm-hmm. cause you, you actually do your best work when you're not consciously thinking about it at all, man. But when you've, when you've practiced it so much that it's now just in your uh, fast subconscious memory, um, or it's just such a native thing that it becomes basically like language mm-hmm. so that it's just a thing that your brain just does without you having to deal with it. Um, so yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta learn how to not think. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I think that's that's good. Uh, All right, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. So if you'd like to get your question on there, get over there, buddy. Good question. All right, first question comes from my secret weapon. As a full-time worker, husband, and father of two young kids, my indie dev time is pretty restricted. Usually I sacrifice sleep time for dev time in the evenings. Do you have any tips for making the most out of very limited dev time? Make small stuff. Yes. That's what it don't, is. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're going to make a damn MMO or, yeah. well, anything big, really. Yep. And take, mm-hmm. take all shortcuts available to you. So don't, don't make your own fucking game engine if you want to make games and only have a couple hours a night or yeah. whatever. And I would suggest also, because I found, I don't know if it's just me, but I, I found if you can get, if you... It's fine to cut out like a bit of sleep to try to get the extra time in, but I'd actually do it in the morning, not yeah, in the yeah. evening. Um, at least in the morning when everybody else is just getting ready. Yeah, the way, the way I've always been is that uh, for me personally, if as the day goes on, it's just more and more likely that I'm going to get either, you know, something of other priority gets thrown in that slot or or I just get nuked by some other stuff I was doing, whatever else. And so that one or two hours of extra, quote unquote, extra time to put into whatever project um can easily just get burned from from life generally. But if you put it in the morning, then it's sort of that's magic. Mornings are magic. Yeah. Yep. And then otherwise start with M. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. Yeah. 
otherwise, really take an honest look at all the things that you do and ask, do I really need to be doing all these things? Yeah, see if you can say no to more stuff. Yep. And then also, if you got a good support system with uh, a spouse or with family around or whatever, uh, just get, remember that, that when, you, when you're trying to do this kind of stuff, when you're trying to pursue an intense hobby or, or a secondary career that you're trying to you know, develop or whatever, um, that if you have people at your back who can help you out with that and just explicitly talk to them about it and just say, hey, I'm trying to do this. I don't have enough time. And, it, and it's true. It's not because, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing too many things you shouldn't be doing, right. but you truly don't have enough time. Uh, and then just ask if there's some small things that can help you out with. So if, if a spouse, if you, if you and your spouse can trade so that every other weekend, one of you just takes care of the kids, mm-hmm. well, then the other one gets to go do something pursue else, a you thing, know, right. pursue a thing. Uh, if you've got family who you can do something similar with, you know, mm-hmm. um, then you can find ways to make that kind of thing happen. Yeah. I think that's actually one of the biggest, one of the biggest things to try to figure out is is that block time is just always better than yeah. than having 30 minutes each uh-huh. day or whatever. Because um, you get to dive really deeply into big problems. Mm-hmm. And then over the next week or whatever, until you get your next block of time, you can kind of let those problems simmer and, and tweak them, tweak your solutions and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then try to so, try to make it not something that you have to negotiate, either with yourself or with the people around you. Um, yeah, as but, in, make it... Get it all set up ahead of time so people just know what to expect. You've got systems in place. Everything is, everything is ready to go. So you don't have to have that discussion or that internal debate. You know, oh, it's 7 p.m. Right. Should I go? Here's like, what should yeah, I do? Yeah, you know, yeah. I want to do this, but I have all these other things. You know, uh, you, you need to be able to already know what your priorities are and what, mm-hmm. can't, what you can do when and all of that. But there's an important note here, hmm. which is if you are, if you talk to, say, your your spouse or whatever about this. And you say, Hey, I'm going to, I need, I need the time to put into this thing. So I need you to have my back and then we can, we can trade so that maybe every other night I'll watch the kids Mm -hmm. and then, you know, or whatever. Um, you need to really respect what you're asking of that person. yeah. Yeah. It's asking a lot because if, if you, if, if they come home or something and you're just fucking like sitting there watching Netflix when, Oh yeah. When you said, I don't have enough time. So I need you to give (laughs) up stuff. Oh man, you're in for a treat. Well, you're, you're going to get, you're, you're in for a lack of trust for the rest <laughs> oh, yeah. of the yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And you deserve all the anger thrown at you. And that's, yeah. Um, <laughs> so you, you gotta, you gotta really understand what is, what's going down mm-hmm. and, and you, you gotta be all in on it. Um, cause it's 2018. So quit fucking around. Yeah. Right? Well, the, the way I did it with my, with my wife was essentially said, like, I, I want to know, I'm just like, I'm curious about what you're, what you're doing. And I assume you were curious about what I was doing when this was sort of a similar situation. So like giving a debrief where you're like, oh, here's all crazy cool shit that I got yeah. today. Yeah. We um, do a daily debrief. Yeah. It's a, it's like super fun and it, and it keeps you, I think it keeps you, helps you keep accountable, which stops you from yep. doing the Netflix nonsense and some other things. Yep, Cause then you have to admit it when you fucked up. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes that's okay. Where you can be like, Hey, I kind of fucked it up today. Yeah. But then you get to talk about. Why? Why? Yeah, how to do better and yep. all that stuff. Well, this and this is a it's a hard thing. I would recommend reading the book uh, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. There's a chapter in there about Stardew Valley, yeah. which is one guy who, again, he did not do this 30 minutes a day. He quit everything and worked on this game exclusively for five years, mm-hmm. um, supported by his uh, girlfriend at the time, and. It's not easy to do this kind of thing, yeah. and uh, fortunately, he had that kind of support. But even with that, he uh, in the in the book he talks about how he ran into these various scenarios where he was depressed because of how long it was taking, and 
he would sometimes go weeks without actually doing any work on the game whatsoever mm-hmm. because he was just couldn't look at it. Yeah. yeah. And th- and there's there's kind of that added burden of working on something completely alone, you know, with no human contact for mm-hmm. eight hours a day at a time. Uh so, you know, there, there are some other difficulties that come along with this kind of stuff. Yeah, but, but and, and imagine the, the sort of relationship tension there, too, is if, yeah. if the other person is supporting you to work full time and then you just don't. Right. You know, like, you're really disrespecting. Do not, <laughs> do, no matter what you do, do not do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least don't, don't do it in a way that you're hiding. You yeah. have to be completely honest. Be like, look, I am very fucking. Yeah. Bad. Well, exactly. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I yeah do, admit that the problems are and, and be working on, right, on improving right. them. But yeah, yeah. because it, well, it's also the case that you, you, people can't expect you to work 60 hours a week, 52 weeks mm. a year. Everybody has vacation weeks, you know, and if they're in a normal day yeah, job or whatever. Flow, yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, sometimes you need a, you need a day or mm. whatever. It's fine. We just got to be honest about it. Uh, all right. Next question comes from the ugly turnip who mm. says, uh, I've watched the game maker university videos. So there's a series of videos that we put up on our YouTube channel where we, you know, go through how to, how to make games and game maker. Um, I thought I, it was called the butterscotch. It's, it's called B scotch university. Okay. Yeah. I watched, I'll, I'll rephrase the question. I watched the B scotch <laughs> university videos, but then I was like, Oh wait, maybe I should write it down. Then I thought maybe the Costa brothers have something to say about this. Are there any techniques you use to keep knowledge up in your noggin? Yeah. Practice. Well, practice for once or do a thing uh, that'll always bake it in. But so the, the memory works like a, you can think about like roads. So if you just, if you just read a thing, You've laid down just like a real shitty dirt road, okay? If you yeah, and then, then the next slight rain is just going to wash, just gonna that wash shit right away. away yeah, you know? but if you yeah, it's a good way to think about. It. There's always torrential downpour happening in your mind, yeah, and you're laying down these shitty dirt roads. So yeah. the best way to sort of protect yourself is actually to either do something with the knowledge, which comes down to if you're programming, actually go do it, uh, or if you just want to sort of bake it in, but without having to go do whatever the expertise uh, side of things is then you have to pick another another medium to lay down a stronger road with. So usually one of the best ways to do it is actually with an image. So one of the ways that I memorized just an absurd number of stuff uh, for some of my classes I took, as well as memorizing like credit card numbers and a bunch of other stuff, is using what was referred to as a person action object system, which basically you, you come up with a list of people, maybe like Optimus Prime, you know, Snoopy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you come up with a those list people. of- Those people. You come up with a list of robots actions. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> You come up with a list of actions, um, you know, kicking. This comes from, I mean, this comes from that that moonwalking with Einstein. Yeah, it's a common technique for memorizing yeah. things. Uh, and then you come up with an object, and then so in the case of memorizing numbers, you just any chunk of three numbers becomes a person doing a thing to a thing, right? It becomes very memorable. So you're like, all right, this one's Optimus Prime uh, kicking a puppy, right? Mm. I will remember that for the rest of the time. That's number one six nine, whatever. Um, so. <laughs> it's very easy then to remember something like a credit card because it just becomes a string of insane images. So I take a different approach, hmm. which is, uh, I want to first say that this is kind of fun because your, your description of sort of the torrential downpour plus the roads that are being built and whatever uh, is even, it's barely even a metaphor for what actually happens because hmm. it's so directly what actually happens, which is, <laughs> right. which is every time you learn a thing or, you know, something happens in your mind, that's, that's your neurons making weak connections yeah. and those connections get reinforced when they are repeated mm-hmm. and that's the only way they stick. Yes. Right. But even, even once they've stuck, they well, can still, but that's not the only way away. they stick. This is the important thing because the reality is that yes, repetition's good, but repetition by itself is not the most powerful thing. One of the best ways to do it is is to use different methods to put the information yeah, yeah. down. Do so, better encoding. Yeah, better encoding. So that's yeah. the, exactly the idea. So just reading a thing, for example, is really weak encoding versus if you take the time, if you say, okay, here's this game maker concept. Uh, what would this look like? Like, how could I 
transform this particular Perlin noise, right? I now know how this works. How can I transmit this into just like a, a picture? And then you take like five minutes, draw a picture that somehow bakes in the idea, and that thing will stick with you unerringly basically for the rest of your life. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's just What's, The there. rule is that you you truly learn something once you teach it. Yeah. yeah. And the reason that is you the case- yourself. Yeah, is because, is because to teach something, you have to be able to explain it. You have to be able to understand it enough that you can understand what's confusing about mm-hmm. it to somebody who doesn't know it, mm-hmm. right? Well, really, it comes so down to- be like, able to hit it from different angles. It comes down to touch. Like, you have to play with the thing. You yeah. have to be like, make it- to, you know, yeah. wiggle it around and try to do stuff with it. Otherwise, it doesn't do much. What you yeah, saying? My, so my strategy is different, though, which is to take literally no time worrying about any of this. Mm. So I have no techniques. I don't memorize anything. I don't know any of my credit card numbers. I don't even, I don't even know my phone number because I can look it up on my phone, mm. right? So, so I, you're just an empty vessel. I'm an empty vessel <laughs> that, that thinks about stuff. Because here's the thing. It, so when I sit on a program, I don't, I don't have to look up barely anything at all, mm-hmm. right? Uh, unless I go back and I'm like, oh shit, now I got to do this, this Python thing or something. And so I haven't actually used Python for like two years. Right. Now I'm gonna have to go look stuff up again. Uh, but in my day to day stuff, cause I'm all, always, always a node, always in whatever. I, I, there are things that I've been doing so much. It's my day to day job. I'm mm-hmm. doing it constantly that, that my brain has already done all the work. It's, it's, it does the work while I'm working of embedding all these pathways, memorizing all these things, knowing mm-hmm. what to do. And it's become, and it has become embedded knowledge. I don't have to retrieve it. I don't have to encode it. I don't have to decode it. It's just embedded knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, it's also important to think too when you're when you're using these memory techniques like this encoding um, of using you know action object um, person person mm-hmm. uh, you encode it going in and then you also decode it coming out, Correct. right? And so it's a very conscious kind of an exercise, um, which which is perfect if there's if there's a bunch of stuff you got to memorize you just have to know for some reason, but that actually isn't important enough for you to be using, mm-hmm. then it's that's kind of your only option, right? And so my strategy is just to. Uh, is to find is to put systems and processes in place that make it so that I don't actually have to know any, anything. Well, I think the reality is that that learning knowledge just to, like for the accumulation is a different. Like you have to approach it completely differently than you, than in terms of something that you actually use for skills. Yeah, because the using of the skill itself. So for me, with the hotkeys, right? I have my my Inkscape, my vector artwork is hotkeyed like crazy. And when I first made it, I made the hotkeys, and then I had the list next to me. And I just had to consciously, every time I was doing a thing, look yep. at it, you know, hit the button. And now it's just like playing a piano. And I don't think about it. And the thing is actually the people who do, uh, so basically by, by doing the work then with the system that you built. Right. Or saying, okay, this function does this. Yep. I'm going to use this now for this thing. After you do that a few times and it's in there. Yep. With no problem. But I think when it comes to knowledge that is essentially divorced from practice. Yeah. That's the part where you have to start using some tricks. But you also still have to have to ask yourself, do I actually need? Yeah to embed this because because it's, it's, it's an important question. Like we, we feel like we need to be, we feel like there's something embarrassing about not remembering things about, or not being aware of things or whatever. Um, but those are really expensive, like crazy expensive to, to remember all of these little miscellaneous non-practice pieces of information. And if you don't have to, you're freeing up your mind just to not worry about stuff. You just get to focus on the things. Cause there's not, there's nothing tickling. Like there aren't things tickling my mind. I'm, I'm never like, Oh shit! Is it somebody's birthday today? You know, because mm-hmm. I just know I have no idea. I don't. I don't bother <laughs> because I've got calendars. Right? right? They'll tell me that. Kind so of really, stuff. really, what you just need is is you need processes. You need processes for problem solving, for yep. managing information, whatever. and then you just trust that if things are important enough that you need to know them, that they will be in your process, or they are things that you practice, and so right. you will then know them because you practice mm-hmm. them all the time. Right? Yeah, I think my my approach for learning any kind of a new thing. Uh, has nothing to do with memorization. So, so let's say Perlin noise. 
I, I basically read through a bunch of different articles about how it is done. Mm-hmm. Then I ignored all of that. And I went to a, a blank game maker project and I was like, okay, based on sort of the rough high level concepts, I'm going to try to execute this just right. on my own, mm-hmm. using my own ideas. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I did it once and now I understand it forever. Um, and so, so really it's, it's a matter of if you're watching the tutorials that we put up or whatever, don't sweat the small stuff, you know, don't get fixated on what exactly is written on each line right. of code. Um, think about it in terms of the concepts that are being presented. And then once you, once you have a, like a loose, un- even a loose understanding of that concept, just go do it, mm-hmm. put the tutorial yep. aside, ignore the code in it. Go make your own version of that. Well, which goes back to the reason that that encoding thing is so useful and the only way to do it is because semantics are the only thing you can remember. So when you're, when you're looking at a problem and you turn it into the concept instead of focusing on the details of how the problem right. is you know, solved, uh, then that's the thing you get to remember. Mm-hmm. And so cause that's, that's what our brains are. Our brains are good at stories and stories are just semantics. And so that's what you have to focus on that stuff. That, that's what you should right. be putting into your brain. Yeah, and I mean, there, there's a reason why when you go through school you always get homework assigned, right? You know, they don't, they don't just tell you stuff every day and then you mm-hmm. just go home, right? right. <laughs> uh, it's always focused around the concept of doing work. Mm-hmm. And that's because that's actually how you learn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of teachers don't actually know why home, homework is for. And so it doesn't actually serve that purpose. Right. They, they, it's important just to Yeah. The, the normal assumption is that homework is to evaluate how well you remember the thing you were told. Yeah. As opposed to homework being the thing that actually teaches you right. what, yep. what the thing Yeah, is. your teacher should get you over the hurdles by talking at you, you know, get you sort of get, get some preliminary mm-hmm. context yeah. and then, and then just give you work to do. Like the, the fact is that the more of your time learning that is spent doing work versus, uh, sort of being passive, you know, having things happen to you and yeah. being lectured at and so on, uh, the, the large proportion of your time that, that is doing the work, uh, is going to be absolutely directly correlated with how much you get out of it and how fast you learn. Something. Yeah. And actually when we, when Sam and I taught our uh, game dev course, we would do about an hour, hour and a half of lecture a week. Mm-hmm. And then the rest was just very intense assigned stuff. Yeah. That was usually about seven to 10 hours a week of work. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause yep. the ratio needs to be introduced yep. concepts. All right, now go fucking do it. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and actually this reminds me of, I think there was a uh, quite a while back. There was a, uh, I think it was on Freakonomics. They were talking about Khan Academy which is an online set of courses where they have lectures about basically everything that you would ever want to learn, you know, ranging from beginner math all the way up to, you know, advanced physics and chemistry and whatever. Um, and a lot of, a lot of schools around the world are starting to use these lectures to do what they call flipping the, the classroom mm-hmm. where, uh, the classroom time is used for work yep. and the homework is to watch the lecture. Right. The idea being you go home, you watch it. Now you're ready and you come in and then you do you've co- got questions, you've got you, questions, you do yeah. collaborative stuff mm-hmm. where you actually solve problems with your team or the on doing your of the work is the hardest the, and most important. Yeah. And that's the thing you need the most feedback. We probably yeah. do have it just ass backwards. It's completely backwards. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's, that's, I think the best piece of advice is try not to focus so hard on memorization or watching or whatever and focus more on doing of things. Yeah. And, and, then while you, and while you're doing it, don't get hung up on the fact that you have no fucking clue what you're doing. Because I think that, that's the place mm-hmm. that causes everyone to struggle with that approach, uh, which, which is the, the best approach, definitely. But the thing that makes you struggle is that you go, you go learn a thing, you feel like you should know it, then you go try to do it, and you're just like, oh, I, 
Like, how did he do that? You know, like, mm-hmm. how, and, he, and then just poke it. Well, we, yeah, just, you just got to yeah. poke it. But, but the thing <laughs> is, you, you just keep trying stuff and, and trying to learn. Because while you're trying things and, and, and practicing that stuff and trying to get a thing that does work, uh, that's going to be the part that causes you to learn stuff. And you might not even get to the thing. So if you go try to implement Perlin noise and just can't fucking figure it out, mm-hmm. right? But you're, but you're doing all kinds of stuff to try it. What you what you'll have done at the end of that, so you'll spend a few hours tackling this thing, trying out stuff or whatever. What you'll have gained at the end of that, even if it isn't a working Perlin noise generator, will be a much deeper understanding of how to think about this kind of problem. Right. Which, if you go back and maybe read over one of the articles that you started yep. with, now you're in better you're context. Like, oh, yeah, you start seeing stuff in there. Exactly. Uh, and that's actually one of my favorite things to do. If you if you read if you do a tutorial or something like that, and then you, you struggle through it. Um, let it sit for a day and then come back and reread the article or oh. in the case of art, uh, you know, walk back through the image set that someone gave you because oftentimes you'll see stuff and you're like, Oh yeah, that's why they're like, i totally missed that yeah. as far as how they were doing this um, the first time. So there's a big, there's a, like a lot of that is like re coming back to the information once you have a bit more context. And, yeah. And it, and it helps, especially for things that are really complicated or, or that's for some reason. So it's so Amazon web services, which we're now using yeah. power all of rumpus uh, has, very hard to understand. Oh, their UI it's just garbage. Everything, everything about it is very. They're the names of all their servers. They've got like a hundred services. They it, reminds all have the same of, name. it reminds me of like the first like Yahoo search engine, <laughs> right. where they're just like, here's the list. Yeah, good luck. You just list of stuff. We have yeah. done no work I'm to make gonna, this yeah. comprehensible. No <laughs> and it's gotten. I mean, it's definitely gotten better over time. But but the, th- the thing is, it's really designed for people who know what they're doing, right. right? So so if you have been a web developer, if you're working for a company, if you've been trained, you know, if if you're in that kind of group of people, um, then this is actually probably not going to be a struggle, mm-hmm. I would imagine. Um, but if you're in my camp where you're fully self-taught, you know, so so all you know is the stuff you've happened to struggle against because you needed to solve that problem. Uh, shit, that is a hard barrier to entry. Yeah. And so there, there have actually been over the past two years, I think, um, there have been four or so occasions where I tried to go solve a problem in AWS, in, in Amazon Web Services. And just couldn't fucking figure it out. Just like banging my head against it, you know, trying things, practicing, like nothing I could get to work. Uh, and now I can use all the services without any trouble, right? right? And, and it was because I kept on coming back after I would spend another, you know, three months doing web dev stuff, having done a different solution just to kind of get by for now, you know, and then coming back to it and trying it again. And then and each just time- Just a few things make more sense. Yeah, it just makes time. a little more sense. I mean, even just, just last week, I solved a, a problem in my development environment that is going to save me a stupid amount of just daily time that I forgot about because it was a problem that I tried to solve like nine months ago mm-hmm. and couldn't even figure out, couldn't even think about it. And then last week, all of a sudden, I just remembered that that problem existed because I just, I just adapted to the shittiness, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, that's so easy though. Why, so like, you came why in didn't and you just poke it? So I just, exactly. I, I literally <laughs> just poked it. But it's because I had the context now after all these You just months. knew where to poke it. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This, this does remind me of all through, all through college, I, kept accumulating programming books because I was like, I want to make video games. I want to yep. make video games. Yep. And I would buy book after book and they were so fucking like obtuse. You know, I just, I couldn't figure out and how, how to get in there. How, and the, the best metaphor that I could ever sort of come up with was that it was like programming. The idea of programming was this moving Ferris wheel mm-hmm. and I need to get on it without dying. And nobody, none of these books would just turn it off for a moment so right. that I could yeah. just get on a fucking car and start mm-hmm. writing it, you know, because so much of programming is self-referential, right? To, to know how a thing works, you need to know how this other thing works. Yep. And then you need to know how this other thing works. And they all refer internally yep. mm-hmm. in sort of in a loop. And it's the same thing with art, which is always funny when someone's like, oh, I want to learn how to draw. It's like, okay, uh, which piece? Because yeah. it's the same thing with the programming. I mean, if you're talking about even just programming at a basic level, 
You need to know how to deal with files. You need to know how to deal with an IDE. That was one of my biggest hangups. Yes. I was trying to learn it. I was like, yeah. I don't, why is this? Download this weird fucking program. Like, with, it's yeah, own cryptic To me, the, the, best, the best sort of way to think about it is all of my time learning how to program, it would be the same as if I wanted to learn Spanish by just buying a Spanish dictionary. Yeah. yeah. Like here's a bunch of Spanish words that explain in Spanish how what the definitions of these Spanish mm-hmm. words are. Yeah, you, you don't mean a Spanish to English dictionary. You no, mean I mean a Spanish. A Span- I want to learn Spanish by getting a Spanish dictionary, <laughs> right? Like you can't because you need to know enough to be able to use the yeah. tool, right? Yeah. And so that's actually why it, it honestly wasn't until I got Game Maker, which used programming concepts, but in a in its own self-contained development environment. So I didn't need to learn an IDE because the tool is the IDE. Um, And then it used drag and drop stuff that still uses programming concepts, but without all of, without the requirement of understanding all all the terminology and the syntax and everything. Yeah. Well, actually in a lot of ways, the, cause the, so GameMaker 2 has a much more robust IDE, um, but GameMaker 1, the, the sort of the weakness of the IDE was that is actually a strength to learning how to use the thing because yeah. it was much more just like a text editor with a bunch of windows than it was like a, f- a fully fledged IDE. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now, of course, now that Seth knows how to program, that sucks <laughs> a <Yeah>. lot, right? <laughs> uh, but at the time, because I remember too, I had the same sort of a deal back when I was trying to learn programming and trying to get started is because I started with, with uh, C++ and like I tried Java and stuff. And the infrastructure you need just to do anything oh with God, that is such a pain. Stupid. And, you, and, I remember, you, and you set shit up for hours. No, yep. like now you're going to print hello world yep. into a black box. Yep. And you're like, what is this what black is, box? What the hell what does even happen? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, it's incomprehensible. <laughs> yeah. But, and there are so many ways you can fail at the, be, at the beginning that yep. just don't let you even get to the program. Or even part. for web, like having to set up X amp or lamp on your f- fucking machine. Well, yeah. What is this? What is happening? Well, yeah, because I, yeah, start- I now use a, I now use a, do- a Docker ecosystem, right? But the, but the, what does that even mean? That's like, <laughs> that's yeah, that's like, I couldn't have, I wouldn't have known what that meant or right. couldn't have done it, you know, a year ago even. And now, like, I was, I, so I, like I said, like I said earlier, I was doing my dual booting over the weekend, so I was setting up my operating systems. But that also right. meant I had to set up my development environment again. And so I just after I started to Welcome set it up. To hell. And it was, it actually, it wasn't bad because I'm just so fluent in it now. Sure. You know? But as I was putting all the pieces together, I was like, "How do I? This know is crazy. <laughs> yes. How many components I have to? Because like, you know, Seth has has one advantage, which he, he just installs Game Maker, he can start making Good games. You know, yeah, uh, which is pretty rad. Um, and with, with the one caveat that we have like 500. Uh, scripts and objects that we've that I've sort of written and accumulated oh, yeah, over the years yeah. that do make things better, but right. I can still be, I can still go without them. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but yeah, yeah. but it would be a, an enormous. It would be a pain in the ass. ass. Um, but your development environment at least is one piece of software. You know, yep. my, and mine is the same the same deal. So once I get into my software, I also have you know a, a huge mm-hmm. array of of library of stuff that I've made and so on. Uh, but just the number of bullshit I had to install just to get started. You know? It's crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, there's there's not an easy on ramp for that sort of thing. No, know? it's just like okay. I mean, even with drawing, like. Most of the tutorials are like, all right, you're going to go get this paper, go get this, t- like, here's the suite of seven tools you're going to yeah, need right. also. You need these kinds of pencils and these kinds of erasers. Yeah. I'm like, what is happening? It's the same situation. Yep. I don't want to set up this huge yeah. environment. How, how is, is there, is there not a book that's just called Drawing for People Who Don't Give a Fuck? And it's just like, here's <laughs> the tools you need. Object <laughs> and other object that can put marks on it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Those are the two required objects uh-huh. for drawing. I think actually drawing on the right side of the brain is a pretty That's good job. That's probably the that. closest one. Yeah. yeah. Pretty good. At least how I remember it, because it's focusing on just the sort of the representation, not not the details at, at the beginning, not the yeah. details of like shading and stuff. And so I'm pretty sure that it could have just been anything at the yep, beginning of that book. That's the closest one that's done it. Yeah. But there's so many books that you get and they're like, all right, so get this, get your tool set up, get this set up. And I'm like, what 
I'm gonna have to go to the store for three hours before I get to. Yeah. Well, th- this, this part of the problem though is that that those things actually are really interesting for experts. Yeah. Yes. Like if you're if you're an expert artist and yeah. you have a very you have a passion like you you know why it matters and, and the difference between using a pencil of this thickness or this mm-hmm. hard this firmness of lead or you know mm-hmm. whatever um, and those things matter to you a lot because that's going to dictate how you can make a different quality of of, of piece right. right for somebody who literally doesn't know how to make a fucking straight line. None of this matters. Yeah. They yeah. they don't care anything about the pencil. It's all like it's all about the motions, right? Yep. Or for somebody well, so. who doesn't know how file types work, what the difference is between a text file and like a you know Word document or whatever, mm-hmm. and then asking them to go set up an IDE to compile C plus plus projects, you know, like uh, instead of just grabbing Python, because like the way that I finally got things to click was when I could just run Python. And used fucking Notepad plus plus as my, just an editor, you know. That's how I learned program too. Yeah, that's the only, like because everything else is just a barrier in the way when you don't know anything yet. Mm-hmm. And so you want to you want to, and it's, it's kind of the funny thing about it. It's just the same way as just like using the wrong pencil and paper when it comes to yeah. art, right? Is that it's fine. You get to get started and you get to start learning stuff, and then only when you start to confront the problems that those tools create. Mm-hmm. So and a note, you know, Notepad is way worse than an actual IDE, yeah. right? Uh, but, but you can just use it. But you can just use it. <laughs> it's only worse once you're good enough at using the text editor to know why that you bad. can understand why it's yeah, bad. Right. And if you jump right into the really complicated thing that solves your problems mm-hmm. for you without understanding even what your problems are, then what are you doing? What well, you and, doing? and I mean, honestly, the the big moment for me it was even just a few years ago since I learned how to program in Game Maker that every all of my programming understanding was was sort of baked into that IDE, right? Yeah, right. But once I started using Python, I was like, wait a minute, I could just open up Notepad, write up Python code, and then I just save the file with .py. Yeah. And now you can run it. And now it's a Python program. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, a program is just text. Like, it's, just, <laughs> it's just it's just me, because a file extension, that dot .whatever, it means nothing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change anything about the file. It yeah. just tells the computer... Hey, use Python to open this. Yep, yep. And then well, it was actually this is the same thing when I was uh, you know, I was, I've been taking a couple of these digital art courses and stuff to try to sharpen my skills. And one of them, one of the YouTube tutorials I was looking at was this guy trying to show you how to draw Kirby in Photoshop. And the solution I trying to show you how to draw yeah, Kirby. Because the solution <laughs> he had to go through to make a circle in Photoshop was fucking insane. It's like it was 12 steps. It was in different UIs. It was using blur mode, like different uh uh, uh multiply modes and stuff. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> this is not a drawing program. It's not a drawing program. So don't use it, especially if you're like, if you're just starting and you, it's just like hopping into doing C++ with yeah. an IDE, trying to draw in Photoshop as a beginner. I'm like, what is happening? If you go to Krita, which is actually meant for drawing, they have a circle button. You can <laughs> right. just draw circles with the circle button. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> use the, use the right circle tool. button. Yeah, use the circle Make button. Make a circle. Yeah. I think that's, that's the only reason I was able to draw using Inkscape. Is because it's just a bit, you just grab the circle button and you're making circles now. Yep. You don't have to worry about all this. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we, we've all, we've often kind of talked about as, as a suggestion is like, if somebody wants to, if somebody has no art background at all, mm-hmm. use vector because yeah. you can sculpt your, your art, yeah, you know, you wiggle it around into shape as opposed to having to. Yeah. And I mean, up. same thing, you know, if you're completely daunted by the idea of programming, pick up game maker, and just start fucking around with drag and drop mm-hmm. or something. Cause that's the easiest intro you're going to ever find anywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and you get instant feedback. You put a you put a thing on the screen, and you see it moving around mm-hmm. immediately, right? So, all right, well, we've gone way over time. <gasps> so, uh, <laughs> don't worry. We'll just we'll just bill it directly. Yep. To, uh, <laughs> we'll bill it directly. We'll, to we'll steal this time for the next episode so that you, so that it averages out. There fine. you go. 
Yeah. That's right. All right, wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> Any other final thoughts, you no, guys? Wrap it up. <laughs> other, okay. Uh, all right. We'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. And we have a whole bunch of new moderators. We do. So, congrats to. Yep. All, all those, all those people. <laughs> we, we don't like a, we we don't have, like a million. There's now. a million. Of, we don't have the list on hand because it's too long to fit in the yeah. room. So yeah, I want to. I want to keep on adding more over time too, so that eventually we have more moderators than anybody. Yeah, else. the goal is to have everybody be a moderator except for the mo- the newest person in the community. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then exert a really intense peer pressure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, your uh, name isn't purple in Discord. It's real. Yeah, how you feel about that? How you feel about yeah. that? Anyways, uh, <laughs> so uh, also, if you'd like to get more involved in the Bscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server, which is at discord.gg slash bscotch. And if you'd like to adorn your body with butterscotch merch, you can check out our shop at shop.bscotch.net. And also, uh, we need to start We need to start moving this inventory because we need mm-hmm. to figure out what to do for a level head merch. Yeah. You know. Also, if you guys want It's 20 Great Teen shirts, let us know because we're thinking about doing that. Mm, yeah, because the character from Level Head is is great teen mm-hmm. as well. Jerry teen. So it's we we were thinking of having shirts to say it's 2018. Who gives a fuck on them? Yeah, but that might, might not be sell too. As much. <laughs> yeah, it's good for a podcast brand, but not really good it's for the off, studio. It's a little brand. off brand for the studio. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, also, if you'd like to send us some stuff, you can send it to our mailbox, which is uh, over at mailbox.bscotch.net. Did we get that updated? Yep. Cool. So it should actually get to us now. So that's good. Well, I mean, that <laughs> should have before. I, yeah, it should, it should have, have before, before anyway. I, I don't believe for a second that because we said PO instead of just box that it, because the address is still the same. It was only if someone was being a real dick. Like there's, there's no reason that that should have happened. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. But the address is totally correct. Yep. So yep. go ahead and go to mailbox.beastgotcher.net and uh, you can find it there. So thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.